You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Grab your seats, everybody. Touch somebody beside you. Tell that person, God will speak to you today. Wonderful. You know, I've never been an athlete all my life, sadly. Any kind of sport with a ball, I was a big fail. Basketball, football, volleyball, baseball, I was really, really bad at it. There was only one sport, one game, that had a ball that I kind of like played well. Not, not really even over well, but you know, just adequately. Jack Stone. <laughs> Had five elder sisters, so, you know, surrounded by Jack Stone players. I was good enough to do at least three exhibitions around the world, <laughs> Falling Star, and my favorite, The Cave. How many of you do, do, do have classmates here who play Jackstone at one particular point of their life? That's wonderful. But at least I enjoyed watching sports. Like, you know, once in a while, watch a basketball game. Once in a while. You know, when we do, like Olympics, I like track and field because it's so simple. You run. <laughs> you like, you run and then you're there. But one of the favorite, as I grew older, as I grew older, one of my favorite track and field events was what you call the 4 by 400 relay race. Now ask me why. Why was it fav- my favorite as I grew older? Because it is a wonderful picture of life. Let me give you some Olympic trivia. In the past 100 years, the American team has dominated this event, 4 by 400 meter relay. In 24 Olympics in the past 100 years, they have won 20 out of 24 gold or silver medals. It's crazy. And so in 2008, the American team flew to Beijing with high hopes, huge expectations. But when the game started, Disaster struck. Darvis Payton, third runner, gets the baton. And then he runs. And then he gives the baton to fourth runner, Tyson Gay. And he hands over the baton. As had he handed over the baton, the baton slipped through their hands and dropped. Now I want you to understand this, that Darvis and Tyson are two of the fastest runners in the entire world at that time. But when the baton falls, the whole American team is disqualified. Now I want you to think about this. That is a picture of leadership. Everybody say leadership. Because you might be a great leader, you might be a skilled leader, you might be a leader that's amazing, magnetic personality, good strategist, good tactician, and you're very, very charismatic. But all that is useless 
if you're not able to hand on the baton to the younger generation. Because if you do not hand over the baton to the younger generation, the whole organization is disqualified. Do, you, do I hear a loud amen? amen? Because leadership is not a solo race, it's a relay race. Can everybody say that with me? Leadership is not a what? It is a what? It's a relay race. It's how good you are in passing the baton. The problem is this. Ask me, what's the problem? You know, if a baton is passed effectively, it's beautiful. Moses passing the baton to Joshua. Joshua getting it. It's beautiful. But when a leader is selfish, he will not be able to pass the baton. I'm going to give you another Bible story. His name is Saul, King Saul. He could not pass the baton to David. Ask me why. You see, Moses, when he hit his limit, he knew. And he said, time's up for me. Joshua, take over. But King Saul, he hit his limit and did not know. Everybody say, did not know. The problem of some leaders is they've got blind spots. They've got weaknesses. They don't know their weaknesses. King Saul was messing up big time. He was disobeying God. And God told Samuel, Samuel, it's time to replace King Saul. Look for a replacement. You know, King Saul, David was there. He was going to be a great successor. But because he could not give the baton, he kept it. No, here's what's going to happen. When you have a selfish leader, you get threatened by your successor. You understand what I'm saying? You get so threatened by the successor, you want to kill the successor. King Saul wanted to kill David. That's what happens in organizations. That's what happens in Communities, that's what happened to ministries, that's what happened in church, that's what happens in companies, uh huh, that's what happened in offices, that's what can happen in families. Do you understand what I'm saying? Selfish leaders see their successors as their enemies. That's what happens. And so God tells Samuel, Samuel, go look for a replacement, go to Bethlehem. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem. And then God says, look for the family of Jesse. Among his sons, you will find a king to replace uh, Saul. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem, goes to Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. Goes into the house and then sees this big guy, the eldest in the, among the brothers, Eliab. Big, bulky guy, the size of a bulldozer. And Samuel says, this is the one. This is the one. And then God says, keep looking. Keep looking. Look at it. I'm going to read you that passage from 1 Samuel. Chapter 16, verse 7. God says to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Can you say appearance? The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, 
But the Lord looks at what? The heart. That, that's what God looks at. So God tells Samuel, keep looking. You know, Samuel was already awed by the appearance of Eliab. Wow, he looks like a king. He walks like a king. He smells like a king. He might be a good king. But God says, nah, keep looking. Keep looking. I, I remember this guy, friend of mine, comes up to me and he says, Bo, I bought a brand new pair of Nike. And I said, wow, wow. And, and he said, and he said this, 400 pesos only. What? Are you sure? He said, yeah, it's really, really nice. Well, eight days after he told me, um, he was walking one day in the road. And as he was walking on the road, all of a sudden he felt he was shorter. He looked back and he saw the entire soul like peeled away, you know. And so the, on that day, my friend realized that if something looks like a Nike and wears like a Nike and feels like a Nike, it might not be a Nike. Might be a fakey. And that's, you see, we're suckers for appearances. Yes or no? You know, when if it, we're drawn to beautiful people and handsome people. We're drawn to that. It's in our subconscious. But guess what? That's not the whole story. God says, look at the heart. You know, I, I always thank my wife that when, when, she, when she, you know, accepted me 20 years ago, I had no money. I mean, I was poor. So I know that she did not marry me for my money. I know that. She married me for my body. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I, I had no body as well. But, but the, thing, the, thing was, the thing was this. When, when, you know what God is saying? Look at the heart. The problem with that, you know, when, when God says, don't look at the outward appearance, look at the heart. We modern people have a very different definition of heart than what the Bible, than how the Bible defines heart. Today, when you say heart, it means feelings. Yes or no? That's what it means. And the worst advice you can ever give Someone who's asking for advice about her love life is, I mean, you know, you've got this young woman coming up to you and, and you know when you see her, look at her eyes, you know she's in love. You know because she has this semi-permanent smile plastered on her face. Where do you come from? Kubao. <laughs> what time is it? 3.30. It's like for no reason whatsoever. She's got this, you know, and, look, and, and she says, Oh, I, I just came from them. Uh, you know, I, I want to I ask your advice, you know. I want to ask your advice. <laughs> and, and so she, you, she tells the story of she, how she was in this mall. And she was going down the escalator. And I was riding the escalator. Lo and behold, she saw a guy riding the escalator going up in the other side. And, the, and, and their gaze, you know, met. And, and they gave each other that toothpaste smile. 
And then all of a sudden, the stars shone, and there was background music, and you know, and, and the guy ran after her, went down, and they exchanged a little bit pleasantries. And then, lo and behold, they don't know each other from Adam, but they're already texting hearts. And so she asks for advice. What should I do? And amazing, this is a common advice and it's the worst advice. You ask, what does your heart say? <laughs> Worse, follow your heart. <laughs> because in modern ears and modern minds, heart equals But you know what? Man, that's a terrible advice. Terrible. Can you look at her feet? It's not touching the ground. It's two feet above. Suspended. And, and you know, she, her body is there, but her mind is in outer space. Instead of saying, follow your heart, you should say, Earth to Mars. Earth to Mars. You, know? you, you should say, hello, there's something wrong. You don't all know this guy. Why are you exchanging hearts? Hello. You know, you, you but no, what, this is... this. The Bible, when every, 1,000 plus verses in the Bible mention the word heart. And according to the Bible, the word heart in Hebrew, it does not just mean feelings. Yes, it includes emotions, which are feelings, but it includes the mind thinking. It includes the will deciding. It also includes conscience valuing. There is no one English word that can capture the Hebrew word heart. It includes all that. And so, when you elect leaders, for example, for government, you look for two things. You look for the heart. And I, 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 will, I will summarize it into two. Character and capacity. Can you say character? Capacity. In fact, you can ask two questions. I'm sure you can ask many, many more, but I'm going to boil it down to two. When you elect government officials, number one question, is he selfless? Or is he just after himself, his name, his riches, whatever? No, is he selfless? Is he there to serve? Is, here's number two. Can he lead? Because he can be a good guy, but does he have the capacity to lead? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Two questions when you go to vote next month. Is he selfless and can he lead? Very, very important. And friends, just want you to know this. You know, it's, it's, so let, let me go back to that story. So Samuel you know, chooses Eliab. God says, keep looking. So he goes to the second son because there, there are eight boys. Goes to the second son and and. In his mind, he says, this is it. This is the one. And God says, keep looking. Okay, go to the third son. Third son. And, and in his mind again, Samuel says, this is the one. And God says, keep looking. I like that. I really like that. Can you touch somebody beside you and grab that arm and say, keep looking. We, we, we have a problem. Ask me what's our problem. FOMO. Fear of missing out. That's our problem. For example, for single people, you know, when, when you've got a suitor right there in, in, in front of your door, and, and you open the door, he's there, he's there, and 
you know, you, you get to know him and everyone around you is warning you already. He's a womanizer. He's a gambler. He always doesn't have money. He's got needle marks in his arm. You know, 43 red flags waving in front of you. But he's there in front of you already. And sometimes what we do is we're like Samuel. This is the one. Why? Maybe I, you know, I've got to grab this guy already. Tell somebody beside you. There's a single person beside you. T -t Tell that person, be more discerning. You, look, t -t -tell, tell, tell single people here. Tell, tell single people here, look at the heart. And, and heart, not from the modern definition, but from the Bible definition of heart. Yes or no? It includes emotions, yes, but it also includes conscience, values, how the person decides, the strength of his mind, the strength of his will. My gosh, that is, um, you know, could, you could apply this to business. You could apply this to jobs. Sometimes, you know, we, we get a business opportunity. The sales guy is just, just hammering around. Saying, this is amazing. This, this is if you get this business opportunity, it is heaven on earth. This, this business opportunity, you will be as rich as Bill Gates. You know, promise, 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 guarantee, guarantee, guarantee. And you're there and, and no, be discerning. Keep looking. And then there's pressure. Now or never. Now or never. And so you're there, you're pressured. Now or never. Okay, okay, okay. You get your hard-earned money. Plunk it in. And it's true. Now or never, you'll never see your money again. <laughs> you, you, you've got to be more discerning. Yes or no? Yes. Keep looking. And, and can everybody stand up? I just want to speak to you. Because after all the sons were done, Samuel went through all the sons of Jesse and God said, keep, keep looking. And Samuel said, Jesse, is this it? Don't you have any other son? And Jesse, I can, I can, I can picture the father. Ah, I still have one left. But he's outside. He's the youngest. In other words, read between the lines. Um, I've got another one, but you won't like him. He's small. He's the youngest. He's our shepherd boy. By the way, by the way, we modern people, when you, when you hear the word shepherd, we've got this romantic image, you know, of a, of a guy who's stocky and handsome and with a beard, you Jackman, you know, lamb. You know, beautiful white lamb over his shoulder. You know, guys, in the Bible, when you say shepherd, it's a crummy job. That's like a job for you know. There was there was a there was a time during Bible times when you say shepherd, it meant thief. At a certain period, not not the whole season, not like no, a particular period, shepherds were really lowly guys, and 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 they were the work of the poor. So so so. Jesse, the dad, 
Yeah, I've got another son, but um, king, you want a king? I mean, why don't you choose Eliab? Look at him. Or, or look at my second son. Look at my third son. Look at my fourth son. Not my youngest. But Samuel said, God said, keep looking. Call him. So they looked for him. They called him. Can you just imagine? Maybe after an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. I don't know. Daniel comes, uh, David comes marching in. Dirty, muddy, stinky. And then God says, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12, God says, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. I love that. I love that. I love this about God. Have you noticed all over the Bible? He loves underdogs. He loves people who are weak in themselves. People who are not worthy. People who are not as talented, not as gifted. People who don't have the, 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 the credentials, the education, the pedigree. God loves that because when He picks them, they depend on Him more. And I'm speaking God's word to you. God wants you. God looks at you. The way He looked at David, God is looking at you and God is saying, You're the one. You're the one who will serve. You're the one who will give. You're the one who will care. You're the one who will be selfless. You're the one who will die. You're the one who will build your family. You're the one who will build that career and that job, who will be able to serve other people. You're the one who will build that ministry. You're the one. Lord God, I can't. Your mission, your dream for my life, it's so huge, it's so humongous. God, I, I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not gifted enough. I, I don't have the qualifications. God says, you're the one. You're the one. Everybody looks down on you. I don't look down on you. I say, you're the one. I say, you're the one. And God is holding a baton. And God is saying, you're the one. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? And you know what? When God gives you the baton, don't be attached to it. It's only for a season. It's only for a few years. Hold it. And then when it's time to give it up, you give it up. Because at the end of the day, it's a call. Put your hand over your chest. We need a heart transplant. We need to be desperate for a heart transplant. That God will change our selfish hearts into selfless hearts. God is looking at you and God is saying, you're the one. The way God looked at David, He's looking at you now. And He's saying, you're the one who will build my church. You're the one who will build my kingdom in this world, in this country, in this family, in this ministry. Everybody say this prayer with me, Jesus, give me a heart transplant. My answer is yes. I will embrace the mission 
you call me to. My dear friends, I don't know what mission is that. Maybe that mission that you have right now, it's for your family. Maybe it's for the group of friends that you have. God is calling you to bless them, inspire them, bring them closer to Him. Maybe it's a calling that will take effect as the years go by. He's going to call you more and more and more to ministry and I don't really know. Maybe it's a calling to business. That through a business, God's going to use you in a mighty way to serve many customers. Say yes. And ask God for power. Be desperate for Him. You're the underdog. That's okay. You'll depend on Him more. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, Jesus, I serve you today. Amen. Amen. Audi. Receive this baton and by the power of God flowing into your life, He gives you the equipping. He gives you the wisdom. He gives you the strength, the perseverance, the endurance. He gives you the anointing. And you shall build His kingdom in this world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's use this moment also to pray for our leaders. The leaders that God has appointed in governments and companies and organizations in society. Bow down your heads. Think about the leaders in your life as well. The husbands brothers, single mothers. Father in heaven, we pray for every leader that you've appointed. Somebody who is in authority, who has the power to change things. We ask you, Lord, to change their hearts, to do spiritual surgery in each one of them. Remove, Lord, ego and pride, anything that blocks you out and prevents them from being used by you. Teach them, Lord, that in in the moments that while they are in authority, teach them how to build your kingdom and not their own little kingdom, Lord. Something that they can leave behind. And as we pray, Lord, for the leaders, we also believe that nothing really changes if you don't change us. Change comes only from within. And so we look at our own lives, Lord. Whatever you need to change in us, we ask you to do that. Remove our selfishness and replace it with your selflessness. We want our ego to decrease, Lord, so that you can increase in us. Humble us in every way so that you can use us mightily, Lord. Here we are, broken as we are, we're available to you. Make use of us. Make us more like Jesus. Make us more loving like Jesus. To serve like Him. To forgive like Him to be like Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.